Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Hello and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. I'm Rachel Moss and on today's episode I'm going to be joined by Alison Roberts, a cognitive behavioural coach with an amazing personal story. Alison helps people to overcome the pain of childhood trauma and her latest book, The Spiritual Journey, The Part No One Talks About, is out now. But before that, I've been hearing from all of you. As always, you've been getting in touch to tell me what you've been doing to support your mental health this week. I find that walking my dog helps my mental health no end. It's perfect for me to just have a bit of time to clear my head and just think of nothing. And it's just fun to concentrate on something that is small and fluffy and gives you no end of love. And it really, really grounds you. So I'd recommend it to everybody. Walk a dog. It's brilliant. And if you don't have one, you can borrow one. When it comes to my mental health, I really try to take a prevention rather than a cure mindset. I know full well if I don't move my body every day, even just a little bit, then I I start to feel a little bit groggy. So I'll always try and get outside for a walk, find something that makes me reconnect to my body. Alison, thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to start with your personal story. You're obviously a really successful behavioural coach now, but I know that life hasn't always been smooth sailing for you. Can you tell us a bit about why you're well-placed, perhaps, to help people overcome their trauma? Yes, I believe that you're best served by someone who knows or at least has a really good idea of the pain that you have suffered um, as opposed to just coming at it from a clinical perspective, just saying, you know, like, here's the textbook, 
you know, X, Y, Z, do this, you'll feel better. Your life will start to open up. And listen, I, I have had therapists, um, you know, I've, I've been in training, um, in, in that realm and I have absolutely nothing against it. I just know from my personal experience, when I've had therapists and coaches who have had trauma, they show up to me a little differently than if they haven't. And so I also provide that safe space as a behavioral coach to really be able to sit in that same room with that part person, not in the same you know position. We have to hold safe space, but just to be able to look you in the eyes and say, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I do know the experience. And can you tell us a little bit about what your life experience looked like before you came into this role you're at now? So I know you didn't have the easiest childhood always, and then you uh, yourself became a mom at quite a young age. Are you happy to share a bit of your story with us? Yeah, things at home were extremely challenging. Um, so much so that I found myself just not being able to stay there on a consistent basis. So thankfully I had good friends who were letting me, you know, hang out on the couch, even though their parents <laughs> weren't happy about it. But I was just going kind of from place to place because the prospect of being at home just felt like torture. I found an apartment with a friend, um, graduated from high school, started university and met a boy. It's always about a boy. You know, <laughs> I met a boy and actually he was a man and we fell in love very quickly um, of just like throwing my whole life into his life. And we were engaged to be married and I found out that I was pregnant and he and I were really happy, but his father was not. And so a lot of pressure was put on me to have an abortion. I ended up going to the abortion clinic, but I couldn't go through with it. I went back home and I made a horrific mistake by lying to my fiance and telling him that I had actually gone through with the abortion. It was a terrible thing to do, but I was just, I was really lost and very afraid. Um, I was still extremely traumatized from, you know, just having left my, my mother's household. And so there was just a lot going on, um, not excuses, but valid reasons when you have trauma. So a couple of weeks later, um, you know, I was throwing up in the bathroom and he realized that I was still pregnant. And I think had I not lied to him, our situation probably could have been salvaged, but he was just so hurt, understandably. And so what came next, though, was not um, at all what I was expecting. So I went to school that day and I came home and he and his dad had actually changed the locks on the house. Um, and they had put all my stuff in boxes and garbage bags outside. So I had this tiny little car and I loaded up as much stuff as I could um, and this is before uh, cell phones or anything like that. So I, I found a pay phone and I, I called my mom, um, which was, I, I must have stood at that pay phone for like an hour, just trying to decide, was I going to call her or not call her? But I called her and 
I went back home. And then as soon as she realized that I was pregnant, she wanted me to have an abortion. I went to the whole scenario, like all over again. I ended up living in my car while I was pregnant with my son. And um, ultimately, I placed him for adoption uh, as soon as he was born. But, you know, at the time, I didn't realize what a blessing that experience was going to be in my life because it forced me into therapy. And it was in therapy that my eyes started to open that it really was just mind blowing um, to finally have knowledge to the emotions that were going on inside of me, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So you've gone from being a teen who suddenly has a child to then giving them up for adoption. That's a huge thing to go through. From there, how did you even begin to take back control of your life and change the trajectory of it to be where you are now? What what did that, if you fast forward that into a small gap, what did that look like? You know, I tell everyone it's not a linear path. You know, it was, it was really literally step by step. And really, honestly, Rachel, it, at the very beginning was understanding and, and starting to realize what I didn't want. And I didn't want to repeat family patterns. I didn't want to be that kind of parent. I, I didn't want to walk around filled with rage and hatred, and which I, I wasn't anyway. I was, I was more the timid, hiding, um, not, not standing up for myself person. That was the effect that it had on me, was, which is now we, we call that fawning. Now it's a fear response. So in your book, you talk about breaking free from patterns of behavior that you've followed in the past, but I think maybe it's a little easier said than done sometimes. So for our listeners, have you got any tips on how you can actually get started with recognizing your own destructive behaviors? And then how do you go about breaking those patterns? Yes. And I love this question. I love to answer this question. So the very first step is to look at the results that you're getting in your life. You know, are you at the end of the month, are you out of money? Are you living from paycheck to paycheck? Are you paying off one credit card to, you know, get in it? Are you lonely in your relationships? Um, are you hiding? Do you find it hard to use your voice? You know, really look at honestly, not in a criticizing way, but just in a very factual way. Am I, am, are my outcomes matching my dreams and my goals? That is always a huge clue that there's a disconnection between what you want and how you're actually living the decisions that you're making. Step number two is to feel your feelings about the result that you're getting in your life. Because what most people do is they hustle and grind and struggle to get to the next outcome, hoping that more money or more sex or more, more empathy or more this or more that is going to fix the problem. And ultimately, we all know that it, it doesn't. Uh, it, you know, more money can help, but it doesn't solve anything. So to really feel into that, you know, that the rage that you might be feeling inside for not reaching your goals, the sadness, the emptiness, the loneliness, journaling about it and really allowing it to come 
to the surface so that you can get a clear picture of what's happening on the inside of you. And then the third step is to have loads of compassion for that, that brokenness inside of you that is not allowing you to get to the goal that you want to achieve. And then the last thing, the most important thing is we cannot be the person that we want to be if we're thinking thoughts that we thought 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, because those thoughts and those feelings are guiding us along our journey like every single day. And most people live in a trance from their past. You wake up in the morning, you drink your tea or your coffee the same way. You sleep on the same side of the bed. You take the same way to work. You, you know, you're afraid to let go of friends that you've had forever, even though you know that you've outgrown them and they just don't serve you anymore. All of those things are the things that are standing in your way. So it requires bravery. It requires um, some, some moxie, you know, to just tell yourself like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do these, these steps. And I know it sounds so elementary, but so many people don't do them. They'll be like, Oh yeah, I've heard that before. And it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it's because you're not doing it because <laughs> it does, it works. It works like every single time. So when you start making these changes, you've kind of recognize that trauma has maybe sent you down a path you don't want to be down. You're making changes to your life. You're feeling positive. Sometimes you can encounter a bit of resistance from people around you. I think if you, the way you're living your life is suddenly changing, how would you advise coping with that? The only reason that people resist your changing is because they are afraid of losing you. It's all based on their safety. So they don't want you to change because they don't, they won't feel safe if you start listening to a different kind of music. They're not going to feel safe if you want to travel the world. So it's having, again, compassion for where they are, but also understanding that you don't need their approval or permission. And if you live your life based on their safety and what they need from you, you will never make the changes that you need to make. And this is tough because abandonment is our number one fear in life. And so, you know, if you're in a marriage and let's say that you do want to travel the world and your spouse is like, well, you know, I can't go with you. Um, and I don't want you to leave kind of thing. If you really feel in your spirit and your soul that you need to do it, you're standing at a very tough crossroads. And so what you have to do is either decide to make a compromise within yourself. Okay, I'll visit these countries um, spread really far apart so that I can maintain my relationship. Or, you know, like Hollywood shows that people just pack up and leave, but they don't, Hollywood doesn't show the ramifications of doing something like that. So it's, it's dancing with becoming who you are, having respect for those people who are in your life, but not more respect for them than you have for yourself. 
Because something that you speak about is having your own non-negotiables. So things like having your feelings and your desires and those things set out as non-negotiables. Can you explain that a little more? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, a non-negotiable is, it's it's really a boundary. And when you go into a relationship with someone or as you are growing and moving in relationships with people that you've had for a significant amount of time, the first thing that I say almost every single time that I get on a life um, on a live stage is, you know, change happens because I think that we know it, but we don't know it, know it. And so the non-negotiables, first of all, have to be flexible. Your non-negotiable in 2012 is not going to be the same as it is in 2023. But a non-negotiable is something that you are not going to allow someone to cross over a fence that you've built. I usually give people two strikes. So I tell you my non-negotiables. And if you cross over the fence the first time, we have a conversation about it, um, a gentle one. And I just remind you like, this is my, this is my fence. And then if it's crossed the second time, I'm usually done. The reason that non-negotiables are so important for a relationship, Rachel, is because so many people don't have any. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's particularly important if you're someone who has been through trauma, that you're, you know, looking after yourself because you maybe need a little more care, a little extra care because you're carrying more weight from things in the past. How how does that trauma play out throughout somebody's life? Because I know you support other people who've had similar experiences to you. So what, what ways can it show up in, you know, 10, 20, 30 years time? I don't like to wear the cloak of trauma. I never want trauma to be the reason that I snap at you or that we're going through a hard time. The way to, you know, to to deal with trauma is to get help. You know, I don't think that I would be in the place that I am right now without amazing therapists in my 20s and early 30s to really call me out on my staff and say, like, just because you went through that doesn't mean that you can, you know, toss people around, um, play with their emotions, those types of things. Because when you've been traumatized, you don't realize that you do that. And so it's good to have someone who's honest, who can just say to you, you know, you need to learn to breathe. You need to learn to feel. You need to learn to set boundaries. You need to learn to respect other people's boundaries. One thing that you teach specifically that I don't think I've ever heard before is that change happens, but it happens at the speed of safety. Can you elaborate a bit more on why safety is so important and what you mean by that? Yeah. So safety is important, whether you've been, you know, a victim of trauma or not. Safety is most of us look for safety on the outside. We're looking for Prince Charming or or Princess, whoever to come in and rescue and save us. And the very best gift that you can give yourself is to start building safety on the inside. We have a fear brain that is controlling us 97% of the time. This fear brain has three languages it speaks. I don't know. I can't. It's too hard. 
And most of us believe it. And we walk around feeling very afraid of the things that we can't do, the things that are too hard, the things that we you know, want to do, but we really truly believe that we can't do them. So the more that you can build safety within yourself, take small little risk and realize that you're not going to die. Take, you know, have difficult conversations and come out on the end of it and understand that the relationship isn't over and you're not dead on the side of the road and no one's abandoned. Like that builds safety inside of us. And the more safety you build inside of it, uh, inside of yourself, faster and easier, you can make really hard decisions because it's like, I have this evidence over here that I survived this. So I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. It's really exciting. It's a, it's a really cool way to live. Yeah. I love that. And how important would you say forgiveness is if you've been through something quite difficult? Is it vital that you find a way to forgive people or is it not always possible? Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. When people wait to feel like they're ready to forgive, they'll never. And so it's like with my parents, um, <laughs> it's so funny. I laugh, I laugh about this because my priest, um, I was, I was in a lot of church at the time and my priest kept telling me, you know, Allison, you just need to forgive your parents. You just need to forgive your parents. And I got really mad at him one day and I was, I just kind of lost it on him a little bit. But then the next morning when I woke up, I don't know if it was how he said at that time or the fact that I lashed out at him but something inside of me clicked and I was like, I don't want to live in this prison anymore. I just don't. And I remember walking outside and it was pouring down rain. And I literally just stood in the rain like this, like just with my face up to the sky. And I was like, I choose to forgive because I choose to be that free. And it just, I think that forgiveness is not once, it's a million times. And I have forgiven my parents a million times and I will forgive them a million more because I, I really do choose to be that free. I just, I fell to my knees. I was just, I was sobbing hysterically. My, um, my roommate came outside and she was like, are you having a nervous breakdown? What, what is going on with you? And, um, you know, I was just like, I just forgave my parents. She was just like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, we just sat there in the rain. I know people thought we were crazy, but we didn't care. Um, we just sat there in the rain for like 30 minutes and it just felt, it was so cathartic to me that it was raining because that's really how it felt. It just felt like the universe was just washing away. Like so, so many things that, um, I wasn't going to be able to get to without consciously and, and willingly forgiving them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing so much of your story with us. And um, we've got one final question that we like to ask all of our podcast guests. And that's what's the most important lesson that you've personally learned about mental health that you'd like to share with all of the Mentally Yours listeners? Wow, that is a great question. The most important thing I've learned, don't label yourself. Don't label yourself. Just Feel what you need to feel, understanding that you are not broken, 
um, and do everything that is necessary, everything in your power to bring yourself back to you. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Thanks so much to Alison for being our guest this week on Mentally Yours. If you've been affected by anything you've heard today, please call the Samaritans on 116-123. You can find us on our Facebook group, Mentally Yours, and on Twitter at MentallyYRS. And please get involved. Tell us what you've been doing this week to look after your mental health. Message Pineapple Audio Production on Instagram with your voice notes. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow and review for more podcast episodes coming your way soon. Mentally Yours is produced by Pineapple Audio Production. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.